Great to be with you this morning. And uh, if you don't know me, my name is Dean. Great to have you here. We're in a series right now where we're looking at this uh, letter in the New Testament written by a guy named John who knew Jesus. And, uh, and the series we're doing is called Real because John writes this letter to help people understand what real faith in Jesus looks like, what it really looks like to walk with him. And so we're, we're kind of exploring that and because and, one of the greatest challenges to understanding what's real is, is kind of discerning between what is real and what is almost real. I had a, a, a little bit of an experience of this the past week. It, actually, the story kind of started well, probably a few months ago towards the beginning of the year. I had thought to myself, I would like to get uh, a nice set of headphones, you know, just a nice set of headphones, you know, listen to some good music that kind of crystal clear sound, and I sort of thought that'd be a nice thing to have, and, uh, and, and you know, a few space I thought it'd be really good, and so I was just in a shop one day, I'm like, oh, look at these, and so I started like trying on new headphones and seeing what they were like, and the lady at JB Hi-Fi was helping me, and then I tried on some uh, of the brand Beats, do you know the brand Beats? I thought, I think I should get some Beats, because they're made by Dr. Dre, and I thought, he's a doctor, he knows what he's talking about, and so I had a lot of confidence, I really feel like if I'm going to entrust my ears and my music, you know, quality to someone, I want it to be a doctor like Dr. Dre. And so I looked, and they were fantastic. They sounded great. And then I looked at the price tag, and it was less fantastic. And I thought, I forgot, doctors make a lot of money. Medicals, you know, it's an expensive profession. And so I thought, maybe I'll just put that dream on hold for a bit. It's a little bit uh, too much right now, and we'll just see. But then I was on a holiday in uh, February. We went on a cruise, and one of the places we stopped was at this port in Vanuatu. And there were the ever-popular markets, which are always a nice thing. So we get off the boat and walking through the markets, and I'm looking, and what should I see at every other stall but some beats by Dr. Dre himself? And so I'm looking, and I'm like, this is awesome. Now, how much are these beats? And I asked them, and it was about a tenth of the price of what I had seen at JV Hi-Fi, and I'm like, this is great. I mean, let's be honest. Is there really going to be that much difference between these and those? They look the same. The box is the same. I tried them on. They were good enough for me. I'm like, I'm no doctor, but I think these are going to be all right. So I got them. I brought them home. And to be honest, they were great. They sounded great. The sound was, I was like, I'm happy. I'm content. I don't need, you know, the, the, the real thing. I'm kind of content with what I know to be a close to the real thing. And then this past week, tragedy struck. I know. That's how I felt. I got them out. My beats by Dr. Dre. Like me and you, Dre. Let's rock some tunes. Grab them. I pull them apart, put them on my head, and I'm just pulling them apart. And unless I somehow became uh, immensely stronger than I was last week, uh, by some reason, I just went to just open them up and boom, they snapped. Ah, I know. And there they were. And I thought, they're done. They're gone. My beats by Dre. Or his cousin, anyway. <laughs> and they were done. And, uh, and I was like, oh, man, they're gone. And, 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 and at one level, I was too disappointed because I'd already kind of gotten my money's worth, the small amount I paid for them. But I was also disappointed. The little Bluetooth lady, I could still hear her voice going like, Bluetooth now hooked up. I'm like, it'll never be hooked up again. We'll never, <laughs> we're never going to be able to wear these. And um. But the thing is, you know, I probably should expect it because, you know, you know when you, when you get something, it might look real, but when it's not real, when it, it's not the authentic thing, the thing that often, the thing that's not real doesn't often last that long. 
You know, when things that are, are real and authentic, they, you know, I mean, I was like, why this thing snapped? Just is made out of cheap things. It's put together in cheap ways. It looks from a distance like the real thing. Doesn't even sound too bad. But the reality is it was made of a cheaper imitation, which did not have the strength to go the distance. And so it, it lasted for a little while, and it was good. Here's the thing about real faith, and, and one of the reasons I think that John, part of why he writes this letter, is if we're going to have a faith that can go the distance, and a faith that kind of journeys us through ups and downs, and, you know, knocks, and, and the challenges that come, and, you know, we, we've got to have a real faith, because real faith actually has the strength. There's something of the, what it's made of that can actually carry you for the long haul. And you can have a, a, something that looks almost real, but if it's not the real thing, sooner or later, it's just going to snap, and it's going to snap a whole lot easier. It's not going to carry you everywhere you're hoping it will. And I love what John touches on in chapter 3. We've been going chapter by chapter. And one of the things that he touches on here, I think gives us one of these keys that it's like it unlocks what real faith is about. It unlocks what, what kind of faith can carry us through different situations and seasons of life. And, it, and it's at the core of what real faith is. It's something that you can tell always got John excited just to talk about. It's like, you know, this was something John kind of had in his heart and he wanted these people that he was writing to, to grasp it. And he says, and he's going to tell us a little bit about what authentic faith looks like in three. And he's going to start off with these words. Chapter 3, verse 1. He says this. He says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are, he says. We are children of God. And the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. Verse 3, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him, in Jesus, purifies himself as Jesus is pure. I love where John starts this chapter. And go back to those verses for a moment if we can in, in 1 and 2. John's been writing to him. Now, if you remember, if, if you've not been here, this is kind of the situation that John's writing a letter. He's writing a letter to a church not too dissimilar uh, from us, if you will, community of believers. And what had happened is, if you imagine, you know, you got this congregation kind of like this, and they were early followers of Jesus, but there was sort of a particular group who had started to follow Jesus. We'll say maybe it's this particular group over here. I was looking at you all, and you looked like you had kind of a little bit of a heretical look about you today. And this group... Uh, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Nothing but love, you know. So, um, but this particular group started to kind of pick up some weird things that they believed. Some of the things still looked the same, but it wasn't real. They twisted some things. John's writing the believers, these people over here, and he's going, look, I want you to get some of these things about what real faith is like. And he says, I want you to know this. Look at the love the Father has given to us that, that we should be called the children of God. Do you know what real faith is? Real faith understands that we are children of God. That's who we are. That's what John says. That's who we are. If we are, are those who, who trust in Jesus, and, and we'll, you're no longer the, the heretical group, you're the children of God. When you believe in God, you're the children of God. Do you know that John's just like, do you get this? You're, we are God's children. That's who we are. John talks about one of, I think, the key things about what real authentic faith has to hold. And it's what we'll call this morning the power of identity. When you know who you are, 
you know your identity, then you can live from that identity. And he says, this is who we are fundamentally. We are the children of God. And this is a transformative principle. That if we know who we are, and we know we are God's children, then that will transform the way we live our lives. Identity is a really powerful thing. It's a really powerful thing. And sometimes we, we kind of end up, we, we, I think there's sort of a, a, a dynamic that can occur sometimes. Will we live from our identity or sometimes we feel we need to live up to our identity? And I think John gets this, we have to live from our identity. Here's a little bit what I mean. I've got a little video I'm going to show you. It's about someone whose identity, uh, you may have heard the name Michael Jordan. This is a video, just a short little commercial about a guy named Michael Jordan. Just have a little bit of this look. Checking in. Your name, please. Michael Jordan. Oh. Michael Jordan, 8 o'clock. Oh. That's me. Oh. Oh, man. How you doing? Really? Let's go. Hey, <laughs> I know. This guy, he's like, everywhere he goes, he's like, I'm Michael Jordan. And he's, and he's kind of living from this, you know, disappointment of, uh, you know, not living up to what people are expecting. You know, uh, the thing about our identities is when we sort of understand our identity, there, there could be this one of two ways that usually ends up approaching. We're trying to live up to our identity. Or we're trying to live out of our identity. This guy, everywhere he went, there was disappointment that greeted him because he had not lived up to their expectations. And you know, and you can see the, the sadness on his poor face. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a true story as well. It's a documentary, that one. I don't know, honestly. I think his name might be Michael Jordan. Wouldn't that be funny? You're like, so, and who does that to be, I mean, I guess he's about the right age. I'm like, if you are like, you know, 25 years old and your parents name, like, why would they do that to you? I remember I used to work in a, a, a inner city schools. I did some relief teaching for a while. I remember being in a school. I met a little kid. He was probably like year three or four. What's your name? His name's Bud. And I'm like, oh, Bud, that's, and it's not, no, it's your name. Okay, cool. I remember one day finding out, because I heard, I think it was an announcement on the loudspeaker that was listing kids' names, you know, could so-and-so come to the principal's office, or maybe they got a gold commendation or something, and, and they were listing names, and they said, Bud Light. And I found out his name was Bud Light. What parent does that to a child? They literally, their last name was Light, and they named him Bud. And you're like, that was not a great idea. So now this kid's got this identity to live. What's he going to do with that? You know, it's all, I'm in high school. I guarantee he was the most popular kid in school probably, but I'm not sure how well that's going to carry him through the various seasons of life. But the challenge, you know, identity. We, we kind of, who, who do you see yourself as? How do, you, how do you go through life? Are you trying to live up to an identity that, you know what? You know, one of the identities sometimes that we can be tempted to embrace or feel like we even should is to say, I'm a Christian. And we want to make that our identity. I'm a Christian. I mean, it's a word that says like, you know, the literal word is like many Jesus talk about a lot to live up to. I don't think it's any coincidence that the earliest followers of Jesus never called themselves Christians. They left that to other people to call them that. That wasn't their identity. It's not even how John said, you know what John said, who our identity is? We are children of God. He's like, that's who we are. And when that's your identity, you don't have to live up to anything. You live out of something. And it's like, that's who I am. I love when, go back to that verse one, you know, John just, you know, 
He's like, look at this. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. Do you understand how incredible it is? God loves us so much that we get to be called his children. We're in his family now. Oh, you just feel like if John was talking about this as well, he would have been just fired up. You know, John used to refer to himself most frequently as the disciple that Jesus loved. Do you know what he wrapped his entire identity up into? Was that Jesus loved me. He wouldn't even call himself John sometimes. He said, I am the disciple Jesus loved. You know, and, you just, and John, every time he's writing, he's always talking about, oh man, we're the children of God. You know, his gospel, the first chapter he talks about, and whoever believed in him, whoever received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. You get to be part of God's family. He loves you. And that's who you get to be for the rest of your life. He says, that's, that's our identity. You know, trying to follow Jesus from any other angle or direction, we end up trying to live up to some kind of standard or identity. But when we embrace the power of identity that we are children of God, it's no longer about, can I live up to this thing? It's just like, this is who I am. Nothing's going to take that away. Nothing's going to change it. I've believed in Jesus. He gave me the power. It's not something I did. The Father has given it to us. He has lavished it on us that we get to be called the children of God. And he says, the reason the world doesn't know us, the reason people are kind of confused, they wonder, do we have us? Because they didn't understand Jesus. They didn't understand who he was. But, you know, and I love what he says is right now, you and I, when we follow God, not when we're perfect, not when we've got it all together yet, not when we've got it all figured out. He says, right now, we are God's children, beloved. You know, I love the way John just even talks. You talk about being transformed, living out of your identity. John's like, this is my identity. I'm the disciple Jesus loved. And you know how he talked to everybody? He's like, beloved. Some translations are children. It's like goes around calling people, you're like, you're my children. I just love you. You feel like if you ever met John, he'd just be hugging you and just like, come on. I love you, man. You're just, just great. You know, you just, and it flows out of him. This is who I am. And now he talks to everybody else. like, I'm love, beloved. I love you. It's coming out of me. This is who we are, God's children. Not then, right now. Right now, in all our imperfections, in all our shortcomings, in all our, we don't have to live up to this. Right now, we are God's children. Let's live out of that identity. The reason this helps you have faith for long hauls because as long as you try to follow Jesus, trying to live up to some standard or identity, eventually you will crack. You will give up on it. You'll say it's too hard. You'll wonder what's the purpose. Or worse yet, you'll set a whole bunch of standards for yourself. You'll meet them all, and then you'll think, what do I need Jesus for? I'm a pretty good person. He's like, no, we are God's children now. We're part of his family And what we will be, he's like, oh man, and what we will be, what we're turning into, who we're becoming, it's not even appeared yet. But someday when Jesus comes, we're going to be like him. Now this is, the power of identity is, is about the reality of understanding. This is who I am, and I know who I'm becoming, and who we're even becoming, who we're on the road to being. Uh, we, don't, we can't even grasp that yet, but we're going to be like Jesus. He, you know, the Bible calls Jesus the firstborn. He's the, the first, and then we're going to be like him, John says, one day when he appears. Now, the thing I love about this, and one of the reasons John is writing this is because in their day they had this challenge they were trying to work through that uh, some of those who had kind of walked away from the fellowship and were thinking and doing other things, they had just sort of gone, 
Well, that's right. You know, we believe in Jesus, and it doesn't really then matter what we do and and that kind of thing. And John, he he says, no, no, look, we're God's children. We're part of his family now. And as he writes, he goes on and says this, picking up in verse, uh, I think it's uh, four there. He says this. He says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. He says the essence of sin is living like there's no restraints, nothing matters, don't need to obey any rules, don't worry what you do, anything goes, you, you know, something's going to make you happy, just do it, don't worry about, you know, there's no rules, no, that's the essence of lawlessness, that's the essence of sin, whatever, anything goes, if it makes you happy, if it feels good, just do it, that's what he says. But he says, look, everyone who makes a practice of sinning, who that becomes their habit, uh, then they're, they're practicing lawlessness. They've thrown everything to the side. And he says, you know that Jesus appeared in order to take away sins. He wanted to get rid of that. He didn't come so that we can then just do whatever we want. And in Jesus, there is no sin. And no one who abides in him, who lives in him, dwells in him, keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. He says, little children, this is that John's loving voice, little children. Wouldn't you guys be angry if every week I called you little children? I'd be like, how's he get away with that, you know? Hey, little children, but he means it in a loving way. We get that, you know? This is how John just... Shows his affection. Little children, let no one deceive you. Don't be tricked here. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. He's like, don't get confused. Don't wonder what's real, what's not. He says, anybody who practices righteousness is righteous as Jesus is righteous. And whoever makes a practice, a habit, a lifestyle of sinning, then they're of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. That's how it works in the devil's family. In the devil's family, you go, yeah, it doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. Don't listen to any rules. Don't worry about what God said. that's how it works in the devil's family. But, in G- but the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I love these, uh, and whoever makes a, a practice of sinning is of the devil, he says. So that's the family you end up, when you kind of go, yeah, no, it doesn't matter what you do, you're of the devil. The devil's been sinning from the beginning. It's what he's always been like. And, and just verse 9 here, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning for God's seed abides in him and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. In verse 10, by this it is evident. This is how we know who the children of God are, the real thing, and who are the children of the devil. Not a category you want to be in. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Now, this dynamic, what John is unpacking here is this reality. So, okay, this is who we are. Uh, We are the children of God. And he's kind of addressing this question, is it possible to just say that you are a child of God, and yet all of the habits and patterns and direction and trajectory of your life goes off in a direction that says it doesn't matter what I do. John says, no, that's not how it works. He says it's kind of like this. If that's your identity, you know you're loved by God, you're part of the family of God, well, there's a certain way things work in the family of God. And so you begin to try to live like the family lives. If God's your father, you start to live like you're part of his household. That's what real faith looks like. And I love some of the ways he talks about this idea of practicing sin or practicing righteousness, keeping on sinning or kind of keeping on pursuing righteousness. Do you know, 
what he's trying to help, I think, is get across, because sometimes we can be like this. We're like, look, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be a child of God, or I'm supposed to be a follower of Jesus, and, and yet I've, I've, I've broken, you know, I, I know this isn't what God wanted for me here, and I, I stuffed it up, and now what is that? Am I still a child of God? Have I broken? I've not lived up. I've, I, you know, how does that work? You know, we can feel disappointed in ourselves. Other people can feel disappointed. How does this work that that we both are at one time children of God, purified by Jesus, and at the same time, there's still shortcomings. And, And John is trying to help them to see, do you know the things that you do habitually and continually, repeatedly, those begin to reveal who you are and what is the trajectory of your life. You see, John doesn't, pretend or assume for a moment that we're going to be perfect. But he says we are becoming something that's not even appeared yet. But the idea that we could just say, on one hand, I love Jesus, and on the other hand, every practice and habit and pattern of my life goes in an opposite direction. He says, that doesn't add up. And one of the things I love about this little section is I think it reminds us of the power of habits. It's not a question of will we be perfect or not perfect? Are we in? Are we out? But actually, do you know what? Our habits and the things that we repeatedly do, they come to define and reveal who we are. What is the, what is the, I love, you know, Aristotle had the famous kind of quote that we are what we repeatedly do. The more we do something, the more that's who we become. And John's trying to say to him, you know what? The, the group, because remember, there's a group, now you guys are heretical again, and the heretical group, they're like, nah, nah, it doesn't matter what we do. We can sin all we want. Jesus said, you know, we trust in Jesus, but you know what, we kind of, it doesn't really matter what we do about it. John says, no, that, that doesn't add up. That's not how it works. How it works is you understand, I'm a child of God. I'm part of his family. Now, here's how it works in the family. Let me take and adopt those habits. Let me try to start moving in this direction. Am I perfect? No. Do I stumble? Yes. Do I get it wrong? But I don't go, yeah, well, it doesn't matter, and I keep on going down this path. I start to train myself and say, I want to practice. I want to make the habits of my life those that bring me closer to Christ and more in line with what he has revealed to be truth about what life is all about and how to live. It's the power of our habits. The power of how we're kind of shaping ourselves to be. The, uh, he, he goes on and, and he also gives us this, this uh, last picture in, in 19. And I love this because when we understand our identity and who we are and we begin to just try and start to live from that identity and in line with that identity. He says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth, that it's real. That we are, we are really, uh, you know, becoming who Jesus is called us to be. By this we shall know we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. I love this word. Reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. We feel confident who we are and we ask whatever, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and we do what pleases him. I'll back this up for, and his commandment is this, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and we love one another, just as he has commanded us. Whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Now, well, back up to uh, 19 there. One of the things I love about this little section 
is he's going to talk here about this whole idea of our hearts being reassured. You know, if you've ever felt like, uh, you know, am I the real thing? Or how does that work? I know I'm supposed to be a follower of Jesus and something else didn't add up here. You know what John says? He says, this is how we can know where the truth and we can find some reassurance for our hearts because what can happen is our hearts can condemn us, he says. Sometimes our hearts condemn us. Sometimes we kind of take a step in a direction we wish we hadn't and we don't live up to our ideas of ourselves and our expectations of ourselves and we step in a direction we wish we hadn't. And you know what sometimes can happen is our heart can condemn us. Our heart can go, man, look at you. You, you really stuffed that one up. Look at you. You're supposed to be a child of God. Look at you. You said you're supposed to be a follower of Christ. And look, and you did that. And our hearts sometimes want to condemn us. Make us feel like we have no right. We have no, we're just disappointing everyone. You know, we're just, everybody. He says, do you know what? God is greater than our hearts. There's good news if you've ever felt that. There's good news if you've ever, you know, sort of felt I'm not measuring up or I'm not living up to, you know. He says, there's good news. God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. You don't need to worry about condemning yourself or feeling like you got to hit the gavel on yourself. God knows everything. And he's greater than our hearts. And, and if our hearts do not condemn us, then we have confidence before God. And then in 22, he says again, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we, we keep his commandments. We do what pleases him. So now we're kind of we're living in line with kind of how he's asking. And, and he's given us some assurance in our hearts. And, and, and as we seek to please him, he helps us with those things. And 23 and 24 again, he says, and this is his commandment, fundamentally, that we be perfect. No, that we believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. When we believe in Jesus, when we trust in him, and then we love one another just as he's commanded us, then we abide in God. We're living in God. We're in him, and he's in us, and his spirit is in us, and we are children of God. And what we are yet has not even appeared. You know, I think that, that there's so much power in actually having some reassurance in your life. To just know this is, this is what real faith looks like. Real faith starts with knowing I'm a child of God. And nothing can take that away or change it. We understand that and we don't anymore try to live up to that. We live out of that. And that understanding that this is who we are, we're children of God, it tends to lead to habits and actions and a certain pattern of living in our life. And we start becoming someone new and someone different. And we're not perfect yet, but God, you know, and sometimes we kind of, we can be tempted to kind of feel like we've, we've lost all, but God, God is greater than our hearts. And, and he wants to actually reassure us that we are his children. And we get to live in him and he lives in us. And, and we just have a whole different kind of life. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, understanding this principle really can be transformative in, in a life of faith and it going the distance. That we live out of who we are instead of trying to live up to who we are. I met a couple the other week. They're a bit older, kind of grandparents. And, and they were telling me about how they, you know, they don't, you know, go to church, but they're Christians, and they used to as a kid. They went to church, and they've always strived their whole life to live by the Ten Commandments. And I said to me, you know, there's something a lot better than trying to live by the Ten Commandments or any kind of set of rules. And they said, what? And I said, actually, just knowing Jesus, walking with him. It's a, it's a whole lot better. And, and here's the thing, because 
the life of following Jesus was never meant to be just kind of sit here and follow these rules. The life of Jesus is knowing him is just so much greater. It starts with a complete just change in knowing who we are. And now knowing I'm a child of God. I'm part of his family. And nothing I say or do is going to change that. And he's not asking me to live up to some standard I can't meet. He's actually asking me to live from that. To be so transformed by that, that it pours out of me. That I find myself going, man, I want to live like the family lives. I want to, I want to develop some habits and some practices. And I, want to, I want to be part of this family. I want to look like my father. I want there to be a resemblance between me and my father. And so I'm pursuing those things. Not to try and earn his favor, because he already lavished his love on us. And when we know we're children of God, then we, we don't end up wanting to give up. We don't end up cracking partway through. We don't end up feeling like, that's it. I don't want to go any further. This is too hard. And we also don't end up kind of with a fruitless life that, that we never really kind of took hold of. Instead, we just we live up to this identity as the children of God. Man, that's the kind of life I want to live. You know, it's not about our, our performance. I think there's nothing greater you can pray and lean into in your life of following Jesus than to constantly, consistently, you want to pray for something in your life and seek God for something in your life. Lord, help me to understand my identity as your son, as your daughter. And that nothing I do can ever change that or affect that. Help me to understand that, that that transforms everything. Life's not about this kind of performance match. And will I live up to it? But God, let me live out of it. Let me live out of that truth. Because when I know I'm your son or I know I'm your daughter, there's security there. There's no more, you know, am I, does God care for me, not care for me? You know what? When, when we are transformed by God's love, when we know he loves us, then it frees us up to ever worry if anybody else loves us. Now we don't have to earn their love either. We're secure in him, and we are free to love one another. John, I love the thing about John. I mean, here's a guy who so defined himself by his identity that when he would refer to himself in the scriptures, he usually just called himself, you know who I am? I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. I'm the disciple he loved. You don't, you never have to live up to that. If every one of us, our declaration of who we are is, I am someone who is loved by God, you never have to live up to that. You never have to, you just get to live out of that. You get to live from that. And there's nothing more free in this world than to know at the end of the day, I am loved by my creator. He, he, he just loved me a little bit. John says he lavished his love on us that we should be called his children. You know, we're going to sing together in a moment. And I, I want to encourage you, you know, can you imagine if, if, if we as Jesus followers, that that was just the thing that always defined us? I think it's so easy. You know, there's so many things we can have. You know, oh, I should be a Christian, I should do this, I should do that. Do you know what, what is really transformative? What would be really transformative? Is it just, what, what does it mean to be his follower? It's to be someone who just knows you're a child of God, part of his family, welcomed in. That we're all the prodigal son or daughter and the father's opened up his arms and he's welcomed us in and, and we are just now free to live from that identity. I think it, 
I think it changed a lot of how we interact with one another. It changed how we interact with the world around us. It changed how we approach the, the ups and downs and the highs and lows of life because we have an identity that we always can live from and live out of that is sure, that is greater than our hearts, that's greater than, than, than what other things in this world could be tempted to make us feel. It is the one thing that is sure to know that when we have believed in Christ, we become part of his family. And nothing in all the world can ever take that. Nothing in all the world can ever change that. That's what real faith is. That's what John says, this is what's real. This is what's real. Just know that you are a child of God. That's what it's all about. We are his children. Oh, and let that flow into us and let that flow out of us. John's like, that's what it's about. I want to invite you to stand and... And I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray that we would know more of that love. I want to pray that you would know more, more of that, the, 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 the difference that that can make in your life. To just know that we are as children, that we are loved by God. Because when it's revealed, when it becomes a reality and a lived reality, it literally changes everything. It changes everything. We can carry you through anything. And I want to pray for us. And we're going to sing this song, No Longer Slaves. And I, I love this song. It talks about being no longer slaves to fear. No longer uh, because we, when we know we are a child of God. It's such a powerful song. And it's been, you know, I know powerful for so many because this is like the, one of the most powerful truths that there is. To know that we are children of God. And let that go down so deep that it defines who we are. And it, and it ends up shaping how we walk and how we step. Not trying to live up to it, but because you don't get to choose to be, God declared it. We don't have to live up, but when we live out of it. As we sing, I want to pray that, that you'd have an experience of that. You'd have a revelation of that, that it would make a difference in your life. That it'd be something that, that touches a real part of you. That, that you experience it on a, on a daily basis. You know, I, 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 I sometimes, I, I, I used to, sometimes, you know, in my line of work, you know, you talk about something, oh man, live up to, you know, you're supposed to like, I'm supposed to talk to people about the Bible. Good luck living up to that, you know? And sometimes, you know, I used to pray prayers sometimes before I was going to preach where I'd be feeling like, you know, Lord, please help me to have something to say. <laughs> help there to be something here. Not because I've not tried to work, but sometimes you can give it all you got and you got nothing left at the end of the day. And the thing I find myself praying more frequently now than God kind of do this or help me with that is I'm like, Lord, just help me to be secure in your love because then no matter what happens, it's all good. Because it, 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 when you just know God's love, it takes away performance. It takes away having to live up to something. And it means no matter whatever happens, there's, a, there's security in that. And there's freedom in that. And then you're actually free. Free to be the person God created you to be. And my prayer and my hope is you just know that in your life. And that you know the depth of that truth. Oh man, we are children of God. We are loved by him. He lavished it on us. There is nothing in this world we ever have to be afraid of or, or fear to. He has freed us to know what it's like to live from this place. His son, his daughter, loved by him. Come on, that is amazing. Let me pray for us and we're going to sing. Lord, I just want to pray that for each person here, that God, you might speak into our hearts and into our lives. You might help us to have a real revelation of what it means to be your children. To have an understanding of how great that Father's love for us is. 
God, there's, there's kind of words can't even do it sometimes, and we need your spirit to reveal it. We need those miracles that can happen now. We need to, to just know from you how great that love is, that we are now a part of your family, and nothing in this world could ever take that away because it didn't depend on us, something you declared. Lord, make that real in our hearts. Make that real in our lives. Make that real in our minds. Lord, may we be a, a whole bunch of people who it's just like our lives. You know who I am? I'm, I'm just somebody that Jesus loved. I'm somebody that God loves. Lord, would you make it real in our lives, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as we sing this, I just want to encourage you. It might be somebody and you are here today and you just think, oh, yeah, I just want that. I want that revelation of God's love in my life. I want to know it like John knew it. And I'll just be right down here. If you want somebody just to pray for you while we're singing, I hope everyone of us, let's engage with God in this moment. If you'd like somebody just to pray for you, you don't have to say anything, but I'd love to just pray for you if that's you today. And just to say, you know what, I pray that you will know uh, that God will reveal more of that reality in your life, that you could live from that identity. But let's sing together. Let's seek him in this. Let's ask him to make it real as we sing.